Christmas carol for the year. Isn't it good? I love Christmas. It's such a special time of the year. And you know what? I love this church. I love the people of this church. And you're faithful. You stay committed. You love God. You love each other. And it's been a big last couple of years. It's been huge. You know, not just what's been going on in our world, but for people individually. You know, we lost Isaac. It was his birthday just yesterday. He went to be 20 years old. You know, Brendan Kennedy lost his dad on Thursday. I know Mark Herford has just been going through so much trouble with her health. There's people like Dave and Norma who watch faithfully online every week and they send me an email on Monday encouraging me and all this support. They haven't been in this building for a service for over two years because of health issues and things. They just need to be careful, but they're just faithful and committed. Whether online or in person, I just love our church. I love the people. And my encouragement to you today is stay in faith, stay in hope, stay in love. God's got great plans ahead for you. Would you reach your hands out this morning? I want to pray for you this morning. Our incredible church, I want to pray Romans 15, 13 over you. It says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill your people. Lord, strengthen your people. I thank you for them, Lord God, their trust in you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would find our hope and our peace in you alone. There would be people of hope in a world of chaos. There would be people that are strong in a world where people are fading. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be people that just remain full of faith. Fill your people with strength and peace. Lord, where they need to be refreshed again, let your spirit infuse them with power and strength for the season ahead. And we pray and ask it in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. 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 You can take a seat. We love you, church. Too good not to believe. Too good to not believe. It's a series we're going to do through December, and uh, it's a Christmas series where we're going to focus on different perspectives of the Christmas story. And there's so many different perspectives we can look at from Christmas. And like I said before, I love Christmas. I love the joy of Christmas, family coming together, the church reminding the world about what Christmas is about, that Jesus came down to humanity to save us from our sins. I love the joy of Christmas. It's a time to celebrate. And the truth is Christmas is not just a myth. It's not a tradition. It's not a dream. It's a glorious reality. When we understand the truth that Christmas is real and it's changed everything, it's changed the story of our life, it helps us to live differently. Now, when we look at the Christmas story, we will over the next few weeks look at it from different perspectives, we can be reminded how Christmas affected different people. 
And I want to talk about Joseph today and zero in on Joseph's life. Because if there was somebody that could have been a cynic about Christmas, it's got to have been Joseph. I mean, when your wife comes to you and just says, hey, I'm pregnant, but it was the Holy Spirit, there takes some faith for you to actually believe that God's moving and that God's real. It takes some faith for you to believe that the Christmas story is actually real. I mean, if there was one person that should have been cynical, it should have been Joseph. But he was a man of faith. You know, it says in Scripture in Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, Joseph was a man of faith. He was a faith man. When it came to Christmas and what it meant for him, he understood in faith that God was moving. Even when his mind probably couldn't comprehend it, this had not happened before in history. Here he was believing God that this Christmas story was not only real, but this Christmas story was going to change the world. So would you come with me this morning to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and let's have a look at the Christmas story this morning. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now when we look at that story there, and it says it was pledged to be married, they were betrothed, which means it was like an engagement period. But it was more than just an engagement period like we understand in today's culture. It was an engagement where there was a commitment, a, a payment had been made, a commitment had been made. They were probably living together with the family. They were uh, together, they were committed to one another. They were, in a sense, legally binding in their relationship. But the marriage had not taken place just yet in terms of it had crossed over. And so they were in this period where they had both made that commitment to one another. It says they were pledged to be married, but before they came together, which is talking about them uh, basically bringing that marriage to a triumphant conclusion, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, it was well within his rights to do so. And when he looked at the, the actual facts that were presented to him in that moment, I'm sure that he wanted to follow through with ending this marriage. Because in his mind, he would have thought that Mary had been unfaithful in this period of betrothal where they had committed to one another. Now she's coming and she's saying that, that I'm pregnant and we haven't had sex. So how did this take place? And I, I'm sure there was so much confusion in his mind. Now, we look at it to, at today's day and age, and we see it from our perspective. But when you looked at it in the actual cultural context, this was scandalous. This was crazy. See, her husband had every right to reject her because the pregnancy was an embarrassment to his character. Not only that, he had every right to give her the penalty, which was to stone her publicly in front of people because of the sin. 
That's what the law permitted to take place. Not only that, at best, she should have been shunned from her own family and the hometown that she lived in. She would have not been able to marry any other upstanding man in that society because she would have been shamed by that moment. She would have been kicked out of home and she would have had nowhere to go. That was Joseph's legal rights in that moment. So all the power was in his position to be able to shun Mary, to walk away from what he would feel like is a disgrace, but there was God on the scene. Faith began to fill his heart. It says, but after he had had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So we're going to look this morning at three things Christmas reminds us. Three things that Christmas reminds us. And the first one is this. Number one, Christmas reminds us that Jesus came to bring reconciliation. Jesus came to bring reconciliation. Everything that Jesus does is about bringing reconciliation, bringing people together, connecting people with God, bridging the gap. And everything the enemy does is about separation. He wants to separate your family. He wants to separate you from your purpose. He wants to separate you from your relationship with God. He wants to separate you from having a hope and a future. He wants to separate you from believing that God has great things for you. He wants to separate you from the purpose of God for your life. There is a real enemy trying to destroy you, trying to destroy your faith, trying to destroy your hope, trying to destroy your love. But the beauty of the Christmas message is that we have Jesus on the case. And He's doing everything to reconcile. He's doing everything to bring us together, to bridge that gap, to close the gap. So there is now no separation between you and God. I love the fact that Jesus took it personally. He just didn't send somebody else down. He came down personally to save the world from its sins, to save humanity from our failure and the things that we had done wrong. See, the the strategy of the enemy is always to separate, but the strategy of God is always to reconcile. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus went and took place. It goes down and it says in verse 19, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, this is where the first step of reconciliation took place. Where Jesus reminds us this wasn't just a story for all of humanity, but it started with his couple, Joseph and Mary. And the first thing that Jesus did was reconcile their marriage. 
the separation that was formed because of what was taking place, Jesus made the decision, I'm going to reconcile this. He came, he spoke, an angel spoke to Joseph and reminded him what was taking place, reminded him about what had been spoken and prophesied hundreds of years earlier in the Old Testament and what was God doing right now. See, it would have been easy just to cast Joseph aside and see the miraculous birth of Jesus and not forget, but I love Jesus. He cares about every person. He cares about the 360 degree angle of what was taking place. He cared about Joseph. He cared about Mary and he cared about humanity. And the first person that was reconciled was Joseph and Mary in this story. It's a little wonder we know that what was getting set up for the rest of us, reconciliation, was about to take place. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. See, the work of the enemy is always to bring division and chaos. Look at our world today. How much disunity is there in our society? How much angst and chaos is in our world right now? People are divided by medical choices. People are divided by race. People are divided by so many different things. You look at even the church across the world. There's so many things that the enemy is trying to divide the church. Look at the chaos of what COVID has tried to do to people and steal away their faith and their sense of community together and doing life together and being the disciples of Christ and going out into the world and making disciples. The enemy's tried to wreak chaos in all of those things. You know, I talked to church uh, leaders and different people. We had a regional meeting just this week and you listened to what's going on in churches and just huge percentages of people just never returning to church over the last few years. And things that are going on, you can see the hand of the enemy trying to rip apart the church. But he forgot one thing. We serve the reconciler. We serve the God who brings people together. We serve the God who makes community happen. We serve the God who gives us purpose and reconciles us to the destiny that he has for us. The church is not broken. The church is a place of hope. The church is a place where we can reconcile. And that's because the head of the church is Jesus, the ultimate reconciler. See, how crazy would it be from God's perspective that He's created each and every person. He's placed such a high value on every person that He would send His Son, Jesus, to come and to die and to, 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 to take our suffering and pain as the price for each one of us. He would show that kind of value over our life to say, you know what, it's worth me coming down and dying a painful death on that cross. My blood was shed. My body was beaten for each and every one of us. That's the value God places upon your life. But yet what the enemy tries to do is tries to remind us of our... our he tries to devalue us. He tries to separate us. He tries to tear us down. I remember when a little girl, Georgia, was born. And uh, she went straight into eight days of special care. And so she was separated from Amy and I. You, you have your baby usually and you've got your baby next to you as you're in the bed recovering. And this baby was kind of whisked away and put in another room down the end of the corridor somewhere else into one of those little uh, midi cribs and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember the feeling of separation. It felt foreign to be sitting in a hospital room, Amy and I, but the child that we had just had 
was not there. And I wonder how heaven feels when he's created humanity and yet we live separated from him. We live our lives like it's just a separate thing. Like we've just boxed God into a Sunday for an hour. Or we just box God into just a small moment in our life instead of saying, God, I want to be connected to you. God, I want to be reconciled with you every single day. I want to be in a living relationship with you. He created you. You are his children. But yet how easy is it for us to live our separate lives? See how great the Father has bestowed his love on us, that we would be called children of God. For such we are, it says in 1 John 3, reminds us of our place. The second thing this morning is Jesus came to bring redemption. It says she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I love in this story, that Joseph has gone from somebody feeling like he's on the outer of this story. I mean, Mary has had this great vision where Jesus has come and spoke to her, or an angel's come and spoke to her about her having a child. She's had it confirmed. She's feeling the, 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 the kicking of a child on the inside of her. She's understanding. She knows the truth that she hasn't slept with anybody else. She knows it's miraculous. And so she's going through this experience where she's just experiencing all that's happening in her. But Joseph feels like he's on the outside of the story and wondering what's happened and God visits him and speaks to him. But then I love how God brings Joseph into the story of redemption and says, hey, I'm giving you a job. You are to name Jesus the Savior. You're to give him his name. You're to remind the world that his name is Jesus, which means Savior. He's come to redeem the world. He's come to save the world of its sins. That's your role to give the name. It reminds me that we all have a role to play in this story of redemption. God's called you and I to say that name of Jesus out into society, to speak that name into our family and our workplace and our friendship group, to remind people there is a reconciler, to remind people there is redemption in Jesus. You ought to carry the name. You ought to give the name. What's the hope that you have? It's Jesus. What's the testimony on your lips? It's Jesus. He's given you that name to speak. Joseph was given that responsibility to name the child. And every one of us has a part to play in this story of redemption. Thank God he chooses to use us. He's church. We can all play a part. We all have a role to play to see the redemption of mankind come to pass. Joseph was used by God in a unique way to communicate redemption to mankind. And just like Joseph was used, God wants to use you. In this Christmas season, how are you bringing Jesus into Christmas? How are you bringing the story of what we all know so clearly in the Gospels into focus into people's lives? To remind people, yeah, this is a time to celebrate. And we have a reason to celebrate. It's Jesus. See, Jesus didn't just come to bring some good teaching, to give us a moral framework for our lives, to be somebody that we could refer to. Jesus came to redeem mankind. He came to save us from our sins. It's not merely a time just to observe Christianity. It's a time to experience redemption. It's a time to experience relationship with Jesus. So our little girl, Georgia, 
we were talking about the other night her behavior and we were saying well you better be good because the man in the red suit is coming at Christmas time and we need to make sure you're on your best behavior and uh, we said well there is a naughty list and a nice list and she declared to us confidently she said no 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 there's not two lists there's only one list and it's a present list It's all about the gifts. There's no naughty list. We had to ring grandma to try and reinforce the manipulation that we were trying to force into her life. There's only one list. It made me think about God. There are people that choose to follow God and there are people that choose not to follow God. We know that as a reality. But in God's mind, it's his desire that there'd be only one list. That redemption would be for everybody. That everyone would understand that his blood was shared, his body was given so that he could have relationship with them. He doesn't want multiple lists, he just wants one list. And this Christmas time is an opportunity for us to go from two to one. And to remind people that are on the other side of that list, that hey, there is a gift for you. There is a gift list. It's called Jesus. It's the greatest gift you could ever have. It's hope for humanity. It changes the story of your life. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Everything we do is because of the redemption of Jesus. I spoke about last week three traps that we can kind of living in our society. One of them was, I love the church, but I don't love Jesus. And that reminds us that our salvation is so important. Our relationship with Jesus is so important. The other one was that I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And it talks to us about the salvation life that we're meant to live out, the maturing in our faith, the discipleship journey that we have, and that we work out as believers in Christ and community. And the third one was, I love Jesus and the church, but I don't love the unbeliever. And it reminds us that this salvation message is meant to be taken to our world. The redemption story of Jesus is all about salvation. What God's done in us, what God's doing in community as we grow into our salvation life, and what God's doing as we take this message out to spread it far and wide so the world would know the hope of Christmas is Jesus. Jesus came to bring redemption. And third and finally this morning, Jesus came for relationship. It says in Matthew 1 verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. I love that Jesus didn't delegate this to somebody else. He came down to humanity himself. I also love the fact that he came as a baby. It talks to us about the relational nature of God. He's not transactional. He's relational. He didn't just come and do a 24-hour stint on earth, save the world and go. He spent 33 years on earth growing, doing life with people, experiencing people's hurt and pain and being empathetic and bringing the kingdom of God to people and 
to having meals together and spending time with people. That's the relational nature of God. He wanted to experience life with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He came down to the neighborhood of humanity to know us personally. I love that it was a baby because a baby is such a center point of family. When you think about when a child is there, you know what it's like when there's a newborn baby? Forget about your standing as an adult or a parent. No one cares about you anymore. They just care about the child. They come into your house. It's like you don't exist anymore. The focus is around one person. Everyone, the TV no longer is the focus. There is a child and everybody's focusing their attention. They gather around that person. And I love that Jesus started the story of redemption around that center point of family and relationship. It speaks so much to the kind of God we serve, that relationship matters to him. He didn't just zip in and zip out, and that was it. He wanted to know you. He came for relationship. He wanted to be in an intimate connection with you. And he doesn't want you just jumping in and out of church. He doesn't want you just jumping in and out of your habits. He wants to know you. This year, I've been doing the uh, Bible in a Year plan, the Nikki Gumbel Bible in a Year plan on version. And I find it so easy with my doer mode to jump in, to read through my chapters that I need to do the day, through that day. And then I'm like, done. I've achieved my goal. I've done what I needed to do. And my streak is still intact on, on you version, if you know what I mean. And it's like, you get that little gold star. And it's like, fantastic, I've done my work. And I'm like, you know what? I felt like the Holy Spirit remind me, it's not about getting through it. It's about connecting with the one who's speaking through it. And God wants to know me. I want to know God. And it's about that journey of relationship. And how easy do we boil down our Christianity to a transactional thing? And Christmas becomes such a transactional thing. You can see the separation the enemy has tried to create in Christmas. It's so commercial and secular. It's all about the transaction and the biggest gift and how many people can get into the shopping center at one time and all the things we need to do and who's got the better tree and the better setup and all the things that we can make Christmas about. It's transactional in and out. Relationships are often damaged and hurt by people just feeling, I've got to rush to this, rush to that, rush to that. It's like Christmas is a reminder for the Christian, slow down. And remember, it's about relationship. The people that you are around that meal table with, they matter. The relationship, the connection is what God wants us to understand is an important thing. We live in a world where we just, we can flick on Netflix, we can flick on YouTube and watch this video, we can flick through social media and we, we jump onto all of these things. We're in this microwave generation where everything's quick, we're flicking it on, we're flicking it out, we're observing this, we're observing that and God would say to us this year, hey, don't observe Christmas, experience relationship with Jesus. Don't just observe tradition, experience what the tradition is about and it's Jesus it matters. It's important to connect with Jesus. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 is the team come. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Listen to this. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. The one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. 
everything that we find about Christmas that is important is found in our relationship with Jesus. You can have all the wealth of the world. You can have the greatest Christmas tree, uh, uh, presents under the tree, the greatest setup. You can have all the gatherings that you want. You can go from this one to that one. You can celebrate well. But if you miss the whole meaning of Christmas, to experience and to know Jesus, and I'm talking to both the believer and the unbeliever this morning, because it's easy for us to get caught up in the tradition as Christians and forget Christians. What's the start of that word? Christ. Followers of Christ. We're called to abide in Christ. Connect with Jesus. What are we disciples of? The Christmas traditions? No, we're disciples of Jesus. To know Him. To understand the peace, the joy, the hope of Christmas is to understand you are made for a relationship with Jesus. Nothing can fill it. The Christmas story reminds us. It brings us back. You can have reconciliation, redemption, and relationship through Jesus. If you repent, turn to Him. Give Him your life. Throw your life upon Him. You can receive it all. See, God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. To us who believe, He's given us the right to become children of God. And the start of this Christmas season, let's start with what it's all about. Jesus came to reconcile. He came to redeem, to save you. And He came for a relationship with you. Would you stand with me this morning? To all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. See, Christmas, it's too good to not believe, because we all have a part to play in it. God's brought us into the story. And He's changed our destiny as we put our hope in Him. So Lord, this morning I pray for every person in this building. I pray that we would know the hope of Christmas at a new level this year. That we'd understand what it means to be redeemed, to be reconciled, to be in relationship with Jesus. God, You've changed the story of our life. Just like Joseph, maybe we've been a cynic. But God, bring us into the joy that Joseph understood where he named Jesus the Savior of the world. And as we speak this Christmas time about Jesus, help us to have a renewed understanding of what that name means. My Savior King. My Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray the sinner's prayer this morning. Decision to follow Jesus, to know Him personally. I don't know where you sit in your relationship with God, but I do know the importance of knowing Jesus. And this Christmas time, let's start this season right. Knowing our relationship with Jesus is right. So I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me this morning as I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. 
for my sins and mistakes, I'm sorry. I receive your love and forgiveness. Help me to live for you each day and to serve you only, my Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Let's not forget, as we get into this Christmas season, we have a reason to believe. We have a reason to hope. In the chaos of the world around us, we have a Savior that has come for each and every one of us and come for a world that needs to know this message. Come on, let's worship as we finish this morning.